Are we live? We're live. Episode number four. Four? Is that yeah. where we're at? That's where we're at. Congratulations. We made it this far. We've made it this far. And we're now actually, <coughs> might as well just get there now, on Spotify and Apple Music. So you can go in and like that, follow, share with your friends, uh, making it more accessible outside of just our webpage. Like us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't have one of those yet, but and Tumblr. <laughs> I would love to see you on any of that stuff. I got off of all that stuff. That could be another topic: is all the social media stuff, and what do we what do we do with that? Oh gosh, that's, yes, we definitely need to talk about that because that it's brutal out there. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Yeah, not a fan of it. Uh, happy early Thanksgiving. Yes, Turkey Day is tomorrow. That's right, approaching quick. I know. Are you guys doing anything as companions? I picture, like I want to picture Father Mike rap yes. at home in the companion's house right now, like preparing a turkey and like an apron and like, I don't know, just working away in the kitchen for you guys. But I have a feeling that's not the case. He's in Steamboat right now. He's visiting oh. a priest friend. Um, oh, good friend. I think he's coming back tomorrow. But oh, he's, that's nice. He would do that though. So he's... Mike's the kind of guy, Father Mike. Uh, he's the kind of guy who like he he won't cook anything for six months, and he'll just scrounge and he'll eat like crackers that fell on the floor and stuff. And then, and then all of a sudden he'll be like, "I am cooking Thanksgiving," and he'll That's go right. all out and he'll go wild. And he's 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 pleasantly surprised me a number of times. We uh, I went on a bike ride with him a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Talk about pleasantly surprised. He wanted to ride from Our Lady of Lords, Denver. To Our Lady of Lords, Georgetown, Georgetown, and he was like, "Dude, it won't be a bad. It's not going to be a bad ride. Yeah, obviously going up, but then you know the second half is all downhill. Right? Wasn't the case. About eight hours, and I really <laughs> that long? it was <laughs> it was 112 miles, eight hours. He also forgot to tell me that <clears throat> when he does a century ride like that, 100 miles, he prefers to uh, pray." For the first hour, and I didn't bring headphones, and I was kind of wondering. I was like, "Man, is this how the ride's gonna be?" He's like, "Literally not. He's just riding and like wasn't talking." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we talked the entire way, and he just uh, he really got one on me there. I will probably never do that ride again. Were you like, <clears throat> "Dude, are we okay?" Like, yeah. <laughs> what's do what's we going need to talk man? about something? Yeah. I'm just feeling like a distance here. And things got really awkward out the gates, and I'd, I'd just appreciate because, I mean, I'll I, I, at least let me go to the gas station and buy some headphones because it's going to be a long bike ride with no talking. So, anyways, we love him. I know. I Speaking of biking, I just have to say it. I'm like, I'm getting better, so Patrick knows. I got a new bike, uh, hashtag Steve Sayah, who is – I got one of his Thing old bikes he sold. I know. And it's like, this bike is meant for someone who's an actual athlete. Um, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I became, I'm not usually a gear guy, you know, I think it's not about the gear, you know, it's, it's about just being in shape and yeah. whatever. And I became a better, like 50% better immediately. That's right. It was, it was amazing. It was no, it, well, it was amazing, but also very frustrating. Yeah. Cause I remember the, like the second time you, you rode it, we were together on a course that, you know, normally we're either neck and neck or I may be a little bit in front and you absolutely demolished me. And I wanted to take your brand new bike and throw it off the mountain. 
No, I mean, I'd say it's pretty normal. Though, <laughs> was, <laughs> usually in front of you like that. <laughs> oh, so anyways, that's where, anyway. that's what happens when you talk about Father Mike. Somehow you go way out there. You go way out there. That's right. Sometimes there's no coming back. So, uh, listeners, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving week. Um, Thanksgiving is a Greek word. Wanted to bring that up really quick. Oh. Uh, Thanksgiving is a Greek word, and the Greek is Eucharistia. And so at the Last Supper, when Jesus uh, takes blood, bread, <laughs> blesses, breaks it, and gives thanks, that the Euch word there is uh, Eucharistia. And so even though, you know, Thanksgiving is an American holiday. It wasn't the pilgrims? It, yeah, I mean, the pilgrims, I guess they could do that too. Um <laughs> But it's a very Catholic concept, at least, right? Yeah, it's, interesting. At the heart I didn't of, know that. Yeah, at the heart of our life as Catholics is gratitude and thanksgiving, and the the highest form of that is, of course, Jesus's gift of the Eucharist. Well, there's your Greek word of the day. There's a Greek word. <laughs> and uh, on a related note today, yeah, you know, Patrick's been we kind of talking about topics, and so we hope you all will send us uh, things you're curious about and. Um, we're just trying to say, you know, what's out there in culture? What's going on in people's lives? And uh, you saw something this week. Where, where did you see that? On? Again, the YouTube gets me every time. I need to talk about social media. I need to get off YouTube. First, I'm going down these like rabbit holes of crazy extreme things. But I came across, and I've actually really grown to like, I don't know if our listeners know, of Candace Owens. Um, she kind of runs around with Ben Shapiro <clears throat> and seems to be making a name for herself. But she got a lot of backlash this week. And it was kind of everywhere. Um, in regards to, she made comments about Harry Styles, which I don't, I don't really know if he's a singer, actor, some with something in Hollywood. Was the we're, f- we're getting in trouble on that because I don't know that stuff. I'm like I've heard his name, the same, but I'm the same. I don't, I don't really know who he is. I don't, I don't either. I think more importantly, I love Candace, so that's okay. Um, but he was the first. If I get this right, maybe off a little bit, but he was the first male to ever be on the cover of Vogue by himself. And so he kind of went in a whole different direction and was dressed up in women's clothes and all this stuff. And Candace came out and just said, um, we need real men and manly men. And yeah, it just was. And then it once I kind of noticed it one time, it was just popping up everywhere on social media. Yeah, that's a big topic. It is. And well, I guess... So she makes a, a pretty big argument in that whole thing. But I think it, for me, I've always kind of struggled with, and I would love to pick your brain on the church's teaching when it comes to that kind of issue where it's like, you know, a lot of people, um, especially before I became Catholic, it just kind of had this feeling of like, dude, I don't just, you be you, just go be yourself. Like as long as you're not right. messing with me, just go be yourself. Whether you want to dress up in women's clothes, you want to do that, you're there's so many topics to go with that gay marriage, um, transgender. Well, and you, just, you and Steph were just on, I forgot about this. You guys were just on television. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I still haven't seen it yet. Yes. But we were. But that, I, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. It's like, that, well, thank you. Yeah. We, uh, I was on, we both, Steph and I, it was a, uh, an episode on the Tamron Hall show on abc she was formerly on she, I mean, she hasn't America. asked me yet she probably just lost my That's number a, well you're hard to get a hold of yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean have an office phone uh and it was all about like male body image um i think in the first episode we kind of touched on the eating disorder and that i went through and especially just being kind of previous athlete all that kind of stuff it's an interesting story so we went on there and steph was i had made a comment 
um, kind of alluding to Romans eight twenty eight. But the reason I'm you know married to Steph now is because of all the struggle and suffering that I went through. Um, and so they thought it would be kind of like the good piece to bring in Steph, and she actually crushed it. It was it was very interesting to be live national TV yeah. doing an interview. It was tough. Um, I would be nervous. Yeah, it was definitely nerve wracking for sure. There's like all this setup before and, and things you just don't realize. Um, so yeah, that was fun. But uh, that again, you know, I think being in that spotlight though, I was, I was nervous yeah. of if somebody asked any of those questions, I don't know how to defend it and stand in the truth of it. Um, one, being afraid of any sort of backlash in regards to my own name, but also just kind of how to do the church justice and stand up for it when it sounds so nice to just say like, dude, why do you care? Yeah. Let let Harry dress up as a woman. It doesn't matter. Right. <clears throat> no, and I mean, I think this is at the heart of so many issues today, right? And the there's the modern world basically is like, we kind of gave up on morality. And I, I, th- I would argue, and this could go a lot of directions, but, um, but I think there's two questions with this, right? Like when you come to moral issues, so like, so Harry Styles, right? He's, I don't even know, is, is he just wearing um, female clothing or is he, I think he's kind of come out and said, right? That he's, he's either transgender or he's non-binary, I want to say. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally positive. I know on the, in the actual Vogue episode or in the magazine, though, he was just dressed up. Like the backdrop was he's like in a field wearing a dress. And he's, he basically just said like, his argument was he loves clothes enabled him to have fun. And when you remove the identity of women's clothes versus male clothes, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you open up this whole new creative landscape to just explore who you are. Yeah. yeah and I think <clears throat> the, uh, the interesting thing with this topic, I think there's, there's always two pieces to this in my mind. And then there's more than that, but two big kind of buckets. The first one would be why does why do Christians and, and you don't have to be a Christian to think this, by the way, and we'll get to that, that if you think that, you know, transgenderism is something that is real out there, we have to be compassionate towards, but, but that really were created male and female. Um, and you really think that you don't have to be someone who believes in God to believe that that's a very scientific, rational kind of thought. Um, but anyway, but the, the two big questions I think are one is, is there a right or a wrong on this? Um, and how do we help people? I mean, that's right. an important thing. You know, like I think it should go without saying is that Christians get such a bad rap out there sometimes. and All the time. All the time. And partially because there are some Christians saying some really dumb things out there. Right. Like I was, I was on, I was listening to NPR, I think. I don't know why I listen to NPR. I just, they, they make me angry a lot of the time. But I do, sometimes they just have some good stuff. But there was someone on NPR who, they said, you know, Christians really don't want transgender people or gay people to be allowed to have jobs. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. I Like someone really thinks that? I'm like, I've never met a single person who has ever thought that. Like, that's crazy. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like trying to navigate this like truth versus let's just kumbaya, you know, everyone do what you want to do. The minute you say you're Catholic or Christian, automatically lumps you into that not only are you not accepting it's like you have distaste for right. somebody that can even think that and so like 
how do you how do you explain no the the church would say we love you but we don't support it right you know but i feel like most time it's like oh they just don't support me or love me and they actually even worse they just hate me yeah yeah so i think so i think that the two big questions though the, the one is is there a right or a wrong is there is there something that we can say you know there's something that that is a, a i don't know kind of normative way that human beings are which Christians think there is, and a lot of people who are non-Christians think the same thing. It's, but there are a lot of people who disagree with us, obviously, today. But that's the first question. The second question is, what do we do about that? Right. So, so a secondary question would be, what's, and people jump to this oftentimes, I think, too quickly, but a big question is, well, what about the government? And maybe just to hit that really quickly, like, it's a separate question, and it's a, it's a complex question, but not everything we believe as Christians we think needs to be a, a civil law, right? So the basic distinction, can you think of one? You got that crazy look in your eye. I know. Okay. <laughs> when you, right when you said that, I was like, oh boy, are we, we jump into Pope, Pope Francis anytime soon? That was his big thing a couple of weeks ago, the Ooh. civil union thing where they splice the video together. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going there today. Okay, good. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <clears throat> That's another but, one. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a jerk. But uh, the the basic premise, Pope Benedict famously talked about this in the Regensburg Address uh, when he was Pope. And what he said basically is, if we have things as people of faith, whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or a uh, Buddhist or whatever you might be, maybe you're a deist, whatever that your background is, or if you're, you know, different forms of, of Christians, there are certain things we can know only by if God reveals them. So the classic example would be for Christians, you could never know that God is a trinity unless he told us that. That's the only way we could know that. You can't sit down in your chair and go like, man, like water is like two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. God must be a trinity. Totally. Right? <laughs> you know, it's not how it works. So, and so what the church believes, and Benedict said this, is that when you live in a culture where not there's not a really homogenous kind of culture around issues of faith, then the playing field has to be reason, right? And I love that. It's like somebody asked this in RCIA a couple of weeks ago, you know, where they said, "Why is why is it the topic of gay marriage?" And they said, "Why is the church care what the government says about gay marriage?" And this is the answer I had for that person: is like, look, the the revelation might say the same thing. So, for instance. One of the Ten Commandments, namely the um, Fifth Commandment, is you shall not kill. But you don't have to have God walk down from Mount Sinai to reveal that to you. That's a rational thing that any human being, if you're an atheist, if you are a Democrat or Republican, if even if you're a libertarian, right, which I don't even really know what libertarians, I think I have some idea what they think. But anyone can, can think that. And so similarly with us, what we would say is that uh, – Anything that the Christians want to make public law should be in a, in a culture where we're not all Christians. It should be something that's rational across the board. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing, and then, but then then really the real question is is about these issues themselves. So, okay, so I'm gonna. I always talk too much, so I'm gonna put this back on you. So what is it okay? Would the church say? that it's okay for me to show up tomorrow, no questions asked, and be proud wearing women's clothes and just saying that I want to explore 
you know, I know I got Steph, but I want to explore my creative side. Yeah, I mean, I think the way the church would look at it, and this this gets at the question of um, how do we know if something's healthy or not, or something's mm-hmm. right. And so, when you add the way you ask that question, you you could answer that two ways, right? Like, one is a moral question. And I think people tend to kind of think like if the church says anything, it's, it has to be about morality. And so um, with that question, the church doesn't wouldn't necessarily put a moral spin on that yet. Morality is about choices. Okay. Right. So, so if you choose that, if you're freely choosing that, we might say, you know, choice can leads to moral or immoral decisions. But I think before we even get there, we might want to make a distinction of saying if someone feels this way, you know, I think there are a lot, I think there's, I mean, I don't know how many people, I'll leave that to the, you know, the scientists out there. But if someone's out there and they say, maybe you're listening today and you say, you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm biologically, I was, you know, born as a male or a female, but I just don't feel like I am that. Right. And, and my, I feel like I'm the other gender. And I think we want to, we shouldn't even have to say this, but it's worth saying that person deserves our love and compassion and they have the same dignity that you and I have. They belong in the church and that's, but that feeling feelings are not necessarily moral or immoral. It becomes, it only becomes a moral thing when you choose it. Got it. So if I'm, if I'm like, um, if I feel anger, right. Uh, and I'm super angry at someone, which has never happened in my entire life. Um, that's that's not necessarily a moral thing yet because I haven't made a decision yet. I haven't chosen anything. And um, now you want to learn, right, to, to control your anger. And that's that's something about making yourself right. And I think that's what we want to focus in on today is what's healthy. And I think at the heart of this is the modern world uh, denies that there is such a thing as something that's true for all of us. Mm-hmm. And what we would we would say about that is, again, not even just as Christians, but Aristotle as a pagan would say this, right? Plato would say this, that um, there's this thing called natural law. And natural law is basic um, first principles, as St. Thomas Aquinas would, would put it. But it's just, it's very basic stuff. It's, it's kind of like, and what, it, what natural law means is that the world is such, and you could believe in God or you, you don't have to believe in God to believe in natural law. But natural law basically says that there's something true for all of us as human beings. And so just like you, if you want to grow a plant in a dark room and you want to pour gas on it instead of water, no matter how much you might feel that that's the right thing to do, it's just not going to work. Right. Right. And natural law says, is very basic. They're very basic claims. And what natural law says is that human beings are going to live better lives if they are truthful, um, if they're courageous, if they're just. And just means treating other people as they deserve to be treated, these kinds of things. Um, okay, so let's just pause there. I mean, so, but I think this is the big question, right? Is like, is there human nature? Mm-hmm. Is that really true? And and one of the defining characteristics of the world we live in right now is that we've denied that. Right. We've denied that. Like there's no there's no right way to be a human being because we've kind of caricatured that. That's a a white Christian kind of idea. 
but people don't talk very deeply about this. Like right. if you, if you run into someone from Malaysia and you say, uh, and you ask them like, do you think you're going to live a better life if you're, you know, someone who treats people fairly as they deserve to be treated? You know, they're going to understand that concept. I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever run across a person if you really push them on these things that they say, oh, you know, oh, treating people fairly, that is such a, you know, European male idea. Stupid thing. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I don't know, I guess as you're talking about that, I mean, not to sidetrack, but it, it makes me wonder too, like when you start to open that door and you deny some form of natural law, Mm-hmm. and you really start to kind of live in this world of you can define your own terms right. of life that, and I don't know the dates, you know it's better than me, but like what, starting in the 60s, things have just increasingly got worse as you start to remove those boundaries where somebody could have naturally had that, to your point, feeling a thousand years ago, but it wasn't ever an option. You know, yeah. like, so then all of a sudden now it is, and the next thing you know, you could be, well, the first person that wants to be a unicorn and all of a sudden now that becomes a social norm of like yeah i'm not even a, i'm not even a person I'm not, I'm not a walking human i want to be something totally outside of myself just based on my own natural choice sure and i think and i think the baseline question here is is there is there something that we can say is healthy right and if you can't and i think when you approach it from this topic and you say hey let's talk about gender identity and let's talk about sexual orientation. People are going to bucket that immediately and say, you're just imposing things and you're being mean and you're right. not being compassionate. And so, but, but an easier way to do it. And I think, I think it's good to look at it this from other angles is that, uh, we need a measure is, is there, it doesn't have to be an overly rigid measure. And I think one of the problems that Christians sometimes get into and more conservative traditional thinkers is they, they define this too narrowly, but, People, the idea today is like, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I can do whatever I want to do. Totally. And so, but the problem with that is like, so what if I say, um, you know, I really, um, what makes me happy is cancer. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the tanning booth. Um, I'm not going to put sunscreen on and I'm going to go to the tanning booth every day for four hours. Um, and, and all that matters here is this subjective, what I desire. Well, the problem is you're contradicting natural law, right? You're, you're doing something, and even there, it's, it's a little easier example because there's something biological. Right. But what we want to say, and but, but with transgenderism, there's something biological there as well. And so I want to, really quick, I want to jump to, I think this is really at the heart of it, is Aristotle and Nietzsche. Um, ooh. Which, I mean... That sounds familiar. It's a big Jordan Peterson play word. Oh, whole, yeah. This whole Nietzsche character. Yeah, Nietzsche. So help me understand this. So, so if you we've talked about these before. So if you if you had one idea from Nietzsche, what would you say Nietzsche's big idea is? There is no natural law. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, that's and that's right. That's a good way to say. It. He would even say, um, Nietzsche kind of says like. If people say, if they talk about reality and they say, oh yeah, natural law, like this is how the world is. His big, his big phrase that people oftentimes know is the will to power. Hmm. And so he talks a lot about the will to power. And what Nietzsche believes is that, and there's a lot of background to this, 
But essentially, if, if, if you said to me, hey, FB, why should I be a good person? Why should I live a moral life? Um, the traditional answers for that, there were two traditional answers. And if, if, if you're a, a big reader out there, if you're someone who likes dense things, I do not recommend this unless you have a philosophy degree. But there's a great book that outlines this uh, called After Virtue by Alistair McIntyre, written in the 80s. It's a phenomenal book. Very hard, though, um, unless you have a philosophy background. But McIntyre says this. He said in one of his chapters, he talks about how in all of kind of Western civilization and the history we had, if you said, hey, why should I not be a supervillain? Right. And I think this all the time. I'm like, you're kind of a smaller guy. I'm like, why would I not just kind of beat you up and take your lunch money? Because that would just be rude. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm right. Hungry. Is that, is that your answer? That's right. Because yeah. it'd be rude. Yeah. So the and it's going to put me in a position to retaliate. It is. And I don't want to do but that. There's nothing you can. <laughs> That's do about right. It. I mean, That's right. Yeah. But the uh, traditionally, what the answer was, there were two answers. One is natural law, is that if you become someone who steals other people's lunch money, you're actually going to be miserable eventually, because human nature says that a human being flourishes if they're honest and they treat people fairly, and if you're stealing from others not only are you doing something wrong, but you're actually hurting yourself because you're acting against human nature. The second thing, so that's one answer. The other answer is God. And so thou shalt not steal, right? And so the amazing thing is that we found that the things that make human beings healthy tend to be the things that God also commands us to observe. But what happened, and so this is a, this is a big history lesson, I guess, but... Um, in the Enlightenment period, so we're talking 18th and 19th century, the big project was we don't believe in God anymore, or at least the Christian God, and we don't believe in human nature. And they had this, so the Enlightenment philosophers, uh, guys like Hume and Locke and Rousseau, um, Jeremy Bentham, uh, a whole bunch of them, what they tried to do is they tried to say, uh, Immanuel Kant's one of the biggest uh how, why should I live a good life if I don't believe in those two things? And so I'm talking too much, but we'll wrap this up. The reason that basically what happened is at the end of the day, they couldn't come up with a good answer. And it failed. And the, the great theories of the Enlightenment around morality, they, they really don't hold water. And the one who calls them out on it at the end of that period is a guy named Frederick Nietzsche. There he is. There he is. He makes his appearance. He's a wicked mustache, by the way. <laughs> and I don't mean evil. It's like wicked cool. But Nietzsche comes along and he says, uh, he says, it's all BS. He says, it's all made up. There is no morality. There is no right and wrong. He has one of his, his famous books is called Beyond Good and Evil. And, uh, and so what Nietzsche says is that there is no morality. It's all BS. And so someone's just trying to impose their morality on you but really what our task to do is not, and this is the key line I wanted to get to today, is do we discover morality? And that's Aristotle. What Aristotle believed is that morality is not something we invent, it's something we discover. It's something that, would, that predates us, it's something that is built into the way the world is, whether you believe in God or not. And Nietzsche believes that there is, it's a complete tabula rasa, a blank slate. And essentially, there, there, there is no meaning to the world, nihilism, there's no meaning. And our job is to, is to create meaning ourselves. So that's a lot. Did that make any sense? It 
Yes, and I want to see how that ultimately plays into like where we're at today, though. Because I mean, it's I think it is absolutely fascinating. But then someone comes in, you know, eighteenth, nineteenth century, right. and totally revolutionizes years. Obviously, you know, <laughs> we're yeah. very long time of tradition and understanding, and can make such headway with that to where now we're in a position of like, do I show my kids the magazines because they're going to see, you know. Who knows what they're going to see? Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, the uh, <clears throat> there's so much to this. There's a long, complex history, but um, so much of what go- is going on is that our our country is is still a mixture of those two things. And whenever someone says, when people make an argument for, you know, um, civil rights, for instance, let's go with that. That's a big t- topic right now. If people say, "Hey, Martin Luther King comes around," and he says, "Hey," we need to, to be treated equally under the law. What he says is he makes an uh, Aristotelian, an argument from Aristotle, and he says the world is a certain way. Black people are the same as white people in every important respect of dignity and personhood and their rights under God. And that's absolutely true, and that's an totally. Aristotelian argument. Um, so whenever someone says this is how it is, this is how it should be, they tend to think with Aristotle. When they don't want to do something, they tend to argue with Nietzsche. Oh, crazy. And, okay. And so this guy, Alistair McIntyre, says that's why our, our arguments never go anywhere. And so like in the pro-life versus the pro-choice kind of debate, this is, it plays out this way all the time, right? The pro-life community is like, hey, this is a person. Everything we know about it is this person. There's no logical place to call it a person except at conception or the next logical place to be at age seven. And the pro-choice people don't engage that argument. They just say, stop trying to put your power on me, right. which is Nietzsche. Right. And and so it's we're not even playing on the same playing field. We're in two different moral universes. Is there a Aristotle kind of argument for the pro-choice that they do on their own? Like they use Nietzsche to get out of it. Yeah. But is there a reality where they're using... Aristotle to argue something? Not that I know of. I mean, I think, I think, I think what they would do is they would say they tend to focus on the mother, right? Yeah. And they would say, you know, and, and, and again, I think one of the things we want to do on this podcast is hopefully not caricature to the best of our ability. So someone who's a pro abortion advocate, I think what they tend to say is they tend to say no one wants to go get an abortion. It's an ugly thing. Yep. It's a very hard thing. Let's not make this. Let's not pretend that people are out there having abortions because they're just like, oh, I want to go, I want to go get a drink. I want to go get an abortion, right? Like they're not thinking that way. It's an agonizing, tough decision. But I think they would say we have to allow this because we have to allow for the freedom of this mother and for her flourishing. Totally. And the the, the argument okay. against that, of course, and again, you don't have to be a Christian. Aristotle and Plato both say this: is that, and you do have to believe in the soul, though. And so the, the, the argument against that would be um, who you are is more important than what happens to you. Mm. And so you might be in a really difficult place and we need to help those women and we, we're getting off topic here. But what's more, the more important part of you is not the circumstances that happen to you. And I think so much like this Harry Styles thing and so many of these issues, we have convinced each other in the modern world and we've convinced ourselves that life is about pleasure and sex and money and power. Totally. And so it's not fair to do this to this girl because she's never going to have any of those things. And 
Plato, you know, in Plato, when he writes his, his most famous book, well, maybe, is, is The Republic. And The Republic is about the soul. And what, what Plato says is, you know, nothing is worse than the choices you make in your soul. If you choose evil in your soul, that's far worse than something evil happening mm. to you. Okay, how are we doing on time? Do we do we want to take up like part two for like this transgender stuff? Because this isn't we're like we're in deep waters here. I think we should because I think we need to do it justice. We could totally wrap it up here, but I think there's way more to it. Yeah, to try is. to go for it. Okay. Yeah. So, so hopefully that's followed. It. We'll pick up part two here in a bit, folks. But um, what would like a little pre like kind of foreshadowing to a part two? Where would you go with that? So. So with the transgender thing, so here's a quote that I'll lead us in. So uh, in the famous, I think it's Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is a Supreme Court case, is probably the most important abortion case, even more so than Roe versus Wade, at least in some ways. There's a very famous quote that gets thrown out there a lot by Justice Anthony Kennedy, and he wrote the majority decision in that case. And this relates a lot to transgenderism, but he has this famous quote where he says, I've actually got it up on the computer. Here we go. He says, um, he says at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. And so, so Justice Kennedy, right, is saying like the heart of liberty, it means that, that I don't just get to discover reality and make my own free choices within what reality is. I get to define what reality is and what I want to get to and picking this up again is we'll talk about is that really healthy for this person mm-hmm. and is it really healthy for society are we really loving them and um, right the Catholic I think a thinking intelligent loving Catholic wants to do is they want to say we can't for the good of this person and for the good of our society we have to tell them the truth with love that that this is tough, but that reality has a really important kind of thing to say here. So you could still love them and walk with them through that, right. but when you do, address it. Yeah, and exactly. And you know, you don't. There, there's a damage that's done collectively to the common good. Right. When we start, when we start making people believe things that just aren't true. Um. It's never, and, and again, these are deep waters, but um, when when we say every person can make up reality as they see fit, there's a consequence for that. Right. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. dun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the same thought. Hey, folks, thanks for checking in. Um, next episode, we're going to have an email address up. Yep. Um, and so uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, send us some questions, thoughts you have, and... Um, We will see you next time. Yeah. Part two coming your way next time. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.